0: I'm Matt Fisher, and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. this episode, I talked to Natasha Stanley, a real career change expert and head coach for career shifters. We delve deep into how the coronavirus has impacted the approach you should take to career change. Now, our conversation was back in April 2020. And as you'll hear, the principles of navigating career change are timeless. So if you're saying to yourself, I can't do career change because of coronavirus, you may start to rethink that belief we discuss solving a market need by using those skills that light you up inside. And Natasha is living proof of this, being the founder of a unique consultancy called This Is For You, which focuses on the art and sciences of meaningful human connection. And among other things, Natasha also teaches Acro Yoga and does freelance copywriting. In this interview, we discuss how searching for your true purpose may not be practical, and how following your curiosity is more helpful, how you should approach the issue of finances and risk when making a career change, and the importance of finding people you want to hang out with, and the huge benefits of this networking approach in finding a career you love. So if you want to learn some seriously practical tips you can start using today, this episode will deliver in bucket loads. The full show notes and videos of other interviews are available at burnfromwithin.com forward slash interviews. So listen all the way through and enjoy. You write a lot of blogs and train a lot of people in how to manage their career change and the career shifters in particular. The topic that's on everyone's mind right now is obviously COVID-19, particularly if you're in the job market, or want to leave, either leave mm-hmm. your job, or maybe you've been displaced from your job, or you were looking to change career. And now, what do you do? What options are there? Industries are changing, the whole market is changing. What is your take on that? Now it's April twenty twenty. You've been in the business for for a number of years, helping mm-hmm. people get through career change. What are your thoughts now, given what's going on?
1: Yeah, it's a very specific moment in history and it's impacting pretty much everybody in the planet, which is unprecedented, certainly in my lifetime. And what I'm seeing from the people that we work with is a sense of shock. A lot of people have been made redundant. A lot of people have been furloughed. Some people are continuing to work, but in a very different way. So they're having to work from home. And what I saw a couple of weeks ago was a sense of shock and a sense of panic. What I'm seeing now in just a couple of weeks is that sense of shock and panic starting to settle a little bit and very valid questions coming up. Is my job going to be safe? If it's not safe, then what do I do about it? And Sitting where I'm sitting, I've really tried to zoom out on this whole conversation and kind of say, okay, so there's, there's panic, there's a lot of change right now, there's a lot of emotional load on this conversation. But if we zoom out, what's actually going on here? And what I hope will be reassuring for anybody who's thinking about making a career change or looking for filling work is actually the challenges that you're up against now are likely actually to be the same challenges as you were up against before all of this started to happen. And I'll unpack that a little bit. So career changes or people who want to make a shift into more fulfilling work are always at a fundamental disadvantage in the traditional job market. In all likelihood, you want to make a move into an industry or an area that you've never been in before. It's brand new to you. Your CV is unlikely to have the perfect set of experiences or skills on it that the machine at the other end of the job application is going to be looking for in order to tick the boxes. And so as a career changer, one of the things that we work with really strongly at the Career Shifters is, okay, so if the traditional job market is already a difficult place for a career changer, what are the alternative approaches that you can take to finding and moving into fulfilling work that bypass those automatic systems and that have you get in the side door rather than the way that we're all really well trained to apply for jobs. So you look on the job sites, you scroll endlessly until your mouth is dry and your eyes are square and you don't see anything inspiring. And even if you do see something inspiring, you don't have the experience for it. That's still the case now. Even with all of this COVID-19 stuff going on, you're still going to need to find other ways to break into new industries, ways that are far more relationship focused ways that are a little bit more avant-garde perhaps than we're trained to do and so I hope that's I know that sounds like well that you've still got the same problems how is that reassuring but actually it means that no matter what's going on in terms of current events the approaches that you need to take and the mindsets that you need to develop are actually consistent and they're the same. Yes, the job market's going all over the place, but actually that's not where you're likely to be looking if you're making a career change. So in that sense, it's not such a big impact what's going on in the world right now.
0: Sound advice. I think the principles that, that you teach, career change has happened in different economic downturns and upturns. It, it's always happened. This is a bigger one than usual. But sure, mm-hmm. I, I understand that the, those principles are still the same. I guess one question that I've had is around industry change as well. If you're thinking about changing a career, some people say, should I go into that industry? Maybe it's not safe for me, even though it might be a passion of mine. Uh, For example, the travel industry or the hospitality industry. What would you say to those people? And do the principles still apply there, would you say?
1: Career change at its heart is a process of navigating uncertainty. Most people don't necessarily know exactly what it is they want to move into. If they do know, they don't know how to get into it. And a big part of this is about the individual's relationship with risk. How much of a risk are you willing to take in order to find more fulfilling work? Industries that seem particularly unstable at the moment are not likely to be over a long period of time. So, yes, things might be really awful in the travel industry right now but if you're somebody who is naturally predisposed to building creating problem solving if an upward movement is really important to you in order to be engaged in your work that could be something and an area in which you actually have masses to contribute And if you can get into an industry like that, contribute something really powerful and become what Seth Godin calls a linchpin in the company or organization you're working for, this could almost be a really smart move for you because it means that you've got more value to add and you're going to be more deeply appreciated in those industries. Now, that does mean that in order to do that, you've got to be okay with a higher level of risk than some people are okay with. A lot of people that I'm speaking to at the moment say this has really thrown a whole different spin on the way that I thought about my shift. I was interested in starting my own business, becoming self-employed, but this has made me realize how important security is for me, my family, my mortgage, my kids. And so that's put a different angle on things. And for those people, one of the things that we work with really strongly at Career Shifters is the idea of, of themes, which are almost like umbrella directions that lots of different jobs or roles or industries could fall under. So for me, one of my kind of career themes is all around helping people to do things that they never thought were possible. And that sounds really big and woofy and vague, but there's loads of different jobs and industries that I could get into that I know that I would connect with and be happy with because they fall under that umbrella. And so for people who are thinking, okay, I want to go into the travel industry, but that seems scary at the moment and my relationship with risk doesn't make that feel good. I'd ask those people. So what is it about the travel industry that draws you to it? What is it about? is it about travel? Is it about creating experiences for people? Is it about connecting people across different cultures? If you can get to the nub of what's at the core of my interest in this thing and how many different possible ways are there for that to get expressed in the world that I could get involved with, then maybe the travel industry isn't the only option for you. And there are other industries or other ways that you could express that theme and get involved with it that are more suited to the level of risk that you'd be happy to play with. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, completely. It all depends on your individual circumstances and what's important to you as well. The level of risk, maybe how much money you have in the bank, your situation if you have a family or not. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach for sure. One, one, th- one observation I had actually around that and actually around pivoting, I, I work with uh, a number of coaches and NLP trainers and someone asked a question around how do I pivot during these times of change when industries might be, be changing or even how do I, if I'm in a business or a, a contractor, uh, a freelancer and there's less work for me in my industry, what do I do? And a, quite an interesting question that we, we discussed that to ask was, well, what is the purpose of, of my business or what is the purpose of my role? And mm-hmm. for example, if you're in the events industry, or you're running retreats, for example, you're a retreat leader. Now there's, there's not many retreats going. But, but what is the purpose of the retreats? It's to it's to serve people, to make a difference to their lives. So going up to the level of purpose of what does travel mean to you what is the purpose Mm -hmm. of going into the travel industry and then finding other opportunities around that high level purpose Uh, that's helped me uh, really a lot working with people in person and now doing now just focused online it's Mm -hmm. going up to that high level I think has really helped what is your take on finding people's purpose in work and in career
1: I think it's a big scary one I think that it's the two Ps, like purpose and passion are big buzzwords in the personal development field, um, in career change, in all of this kind of thing. And they're useful and they're not so useful. The, the classic one is find your passion and the money will come. Do what you love and the money will come. Just find your per- like The first thing you need to do is find your purpose. And certainly for me, when I was making my career change, I was sat there on the couch just thought, where? like where it's not down the back of the sofa. I've spent, I don't know how many hours chasing my tail inside my head. Like, where is my purpose? How do I find it? What is my passion? What if I don't have a passion? What if I've got 36 passions? How do I know which one it is? And so I think it's inspiring and it's nice and it's not very practical. Some people, maybe they don't have a purpose. And that's okay. We're we're raised with this. Certainly for me, I don't know where I got this from, but there was this thing about like child genius violinists. You see these kids, and they're just like incredible musicians, and they've done it all their life, and it's just everything they're about. And I was like, why haven't I got one of those? You know. And actually, what I figured out is, for me at least, I don't have a purpose. My purpose is to do whatever it is that I choose to be doing at the time. And what I found far more practical and far more useful, first of all, for me, was the question of what do people need? There's something very, the whole purpose and passion conversation got me into a very navel-gazy kind of space. I'd pour a glass of wine in the evenings and I'd make lots of lists of all purpose, passion, and it would be the same list every time I did this. And I would still wake up the next day and have no idea what to do, you know? And actually asking myself, if I look around the world right now in the areas that I've got even a vague interest in, what do people need? And I think this course also ties back to this idea of pivoting. If you're in a business that, where your clients have dried up a little bit, like people aren't paying you to do what you used to do, take a look around. What do people need right now? So the retreat leader that we were using as an example, one of the things that people needed that those retreats were serving was like time away from their day-to-day life, for example. Now what people need is actually that in exactly the same kind of core sense, but the expression of it could be something different. What people need is not to get up and leave the house and go and spend seven days really close to other human beings. What they need is that sense of connection and being with other people when they're stuck inside the four walls of a house. So how do I give them that? How do I meet that need and that desire and that pain point for people? It's not about me. It's not about my purpose. It's about other people and what they need, and how can I solve that problem for them? So, yeah, I'm a little bit of a sceptic around the whole like passion, purpose kind of thing. Um, But hopefully that reframe can help a little bit for people who are in that situation.
0: I love it because it can be very impractical if you just dwell on these bigger ideas that almost are philosophical rather than practical. What Mm -hmm. is my life purpose? And I think sometimes it's useful to have an idea of a direction of what you like in life so that you can try those things out and that kind of takes us back to your your themes your umbrella directions and being aware of your strengths and your passions and your values etc but to look for one sole purpose and that defines you it's it is confusing for people and also not that helpful I I totally agree with that I guess like you've got a quite interesting story yourself in your life you left the the charity sector back in 2012 is that right
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And now you, are head coach of career shifters. You teach acro yoga as well, and you have a copywriting business, and you have a consultancy as well. But mm. where did all of that come from? How did you know that you were going to do all of this, or how did that journey evolve? Because it's inspiring.
1: Yeah. So I had no idea that I was going to do all of this. My life has been a series of glorious intentional surprises. And how did it all unfold? Without necessarily going through the chronology of it all, what really drives me is engaging with things that light me up and sharing it with other people. And those things change all the time. And I used to really beat myself up about the fact that I'm interested in a lot of different things I have a flexible and broad enough skill set and mind that most things I turn my hand to I can be fairly good at and I used to think of myself as being very fickle and non-committal and I used to beat myself up about that so why can't like the violinist right like why can't I just find my thing and master it and do it really well and what I discovered was actually If I, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about following your curiosity, Um, if I just do that, if I go with the things that are interesting me, immerse myself in it up to the point that I need to and want to, and find ways to share that with people, that's really, it's not just enough for me, it fills me up. I don't get bored. I don't reach the point where I'm doing the machine repeating itself kind of thing. And some people love that. Some people love the detail, keeping the machine running, all of that kind of jazz. For me, it's just like, that's shiny. I'm going to go and dive into that. Who wants to come with me? And along the way, if I keep asking myself, like, why is this important? What do people need in relation to this thing that interests me? There is always an opportunity to make a living from it one way or another. Everything that I do right now does fall under that kind of umbrella conversation around helping people do things they never thought were possible. I see it every day in my work with career shifters people just being like, whoa, look what just happened. Look what I just did. Same with acro yoga. The first time somebody flies on someone else's feet, that look on their face is what I live for. With This Is For You, I teach people the art and science of meaningful human connection. I have people walking out of workshops being like, I never thought that I could go that deep with somebody that quickly and not feel scared or vulnerable or uncomfortable. It falls under that umbrella. But the more that I go through all of this, the more I realize that kind of happens by accident. If I just trust the stuff that I'm interested in and I'm energized by, When I look backwards, Steve Jobs in his commencement speech talks about you can only join the dots looking backwards. When I look backwards, I see that theme. But I'm not like I'm going to go out and help people do things that they never thought were possible. It's really just me trusting my gut and saying, hey, that looks cool. Who wants to come with me? And that's not the case for everybody. Some people have a very different approach, a different mindset, a different set of needs than I do. But there's something about... (laughs) So at Career Shifters, we work with an idea called the Fulfillment Sweet Spot, which is like a Venn diagram of three questions. And we believe that your fulfilling work lies at the intersection of those three questions. So the first one is what energizes me? So not what am I passionate about, not what's my purpose, not even what do I love, but what energizes me? You know, wake up in the morning and you're like, oh god I just I can't today and then there's something that you do and no matter how tired you were when you started you come out buzzing and it might be the thing that you're doing it might be the people that you're around it might be the environment that you're in it's it's the whole picture but finding what energizes you finding something that you're good at or that you could get good at and then what will the world pay for So for me, I start with the what energizes me part because I've been in jobs where I was good at it and I got paid for it and I just wanted to stick a fork in my eye every morning. So I start with what energizes me, like, oh, this feels buzzy, I'm going to follow that. I do a little bit of it. Oh, I could get good at this or, oh, I actually am quite good at this. And then, okay, so what's the problem I can solve using this? What will the world pay for? And that's the way round that I've found gets results most quickly but the key of all of that is to start doing it as quickly as possible so my list making didn't get me anywhere I was still in the house same house same job when I woke up the next morning um running circles inside my head trying to look for a new answer if the answer was in there I would have found it by now it's not in here it's out there you've got to go and get your hands dirty basic systems theory right like new inputs create yeah. new outputs so if you've got no new inputs you're not going to have any fresh ideas
0: I'm loving it I mean I, t- I totally get the idea of getting out on the field and actually rather than reading about tennis or golf but actually doing it and seeing if you actually like it rather than you can yeah. theorize all you like you can write lists all day long but actually having a feeling or going into that role or testing out something so you so you actually realize oh that does energize me or actually that's not quite for me is so so important so my question Natasha is around finances and some people they have a good salary and thinking about changing a career is quite daunting for them because they have a lot of financial commitments they might have kids they might have a big mortgage what is your take on that in training the people that you've trained and your experience as well how do you handle that and what, how can people navigate that finance issue?
1: Yeah, so it's a really important one. It's not something to to put to one side, the whole kind of follow your passion and the money will come thing we've already talked about is it's just not realistic for the vast majority of people. What I do often see is people putting the cart before the horse um, with this conversation. So I have a lot of clients who come to me and they say, um, I really want to move into more fulfilling work but I'm completely terrified about the finances and I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And I say to them, what do you want to shift into? And they say, well, I don't know yet. And until you've got a sense of the direction that you want to go in, you're slamming on the brakes before the obstacle has even arrived. And it may be that you find out that a lot of the things that you want to do just won't pay the bills. And that sucks, (laughs) but it's also okay because you can pivot and navigate once you get to the point of knowing what you want to do. There's people that I've worked with who have had a really big concern around this, found that actually the stuff that they love pays as well as, or even better than the things that they did before. But until you know where you want to go, you don't have anything to tackle yet. So Deal with the conversation around, okay, well, what is it that energizes me? What am I good at? Where do those things intersect? And then we can tackle the, okay, so what part of this will the world pay for? If you can solve problems for people, any kind of problem, in a way that energizes you and lights you up, the world will pay for it in lots of different industries and lots of different places. So it's a question of situating yourself in such a way that You can direct yourself at the industries that hit that fulfillment sweet spot. The other thing to say about this is there's more than one way to change career. So the way that I used to think about it before I made a shift was a career change looks like this. Quit your job, make a career change, move into something new. And it looked like in my head, like this big, like blind leap off a cliff. And it doesn't have to look like that. That was, incidentally, the way that I made my career change. (laughs) But it was because I didn't know any better. And frankly, I'm really impatient. So I did. I quit my job, put my house on the market, and booked a one-way flight to Greece because that's how I deal with stress, it turns out. (laughs) But when we work with career changers at Career Shifters, We look much more at a risk-mitigated way of making a career change. So a lot of people that we work with end up reducing their hours in their current job while they build up experience or build up a business or do whatever they need to do to get a foot in the door of a new industry. That, incidentally, is far more possible than most people think. A lot of clients are like, oh, no, my boss would never make it okay or... Actually, people are much more open to it than you may imagine to start with. So, reducing your hours and doing it like ooching your way into a new industry is one way of doing that. Moonlighting is another opportunity, like people who want to build up a business. It's hard work, but working a full time job and building up a business in your evenings, spare time, weekends or not building up a business at all, but upskilling, for example, in whatever way that you need to before you can make a shift can mean that you can enter a new industry at a higher level than you think. And also getting rid of this idea that there's a trade-off between enjoyable and well-paid. It's a really common thought, like you can either do what you love and live in an attic, like eating cardboard, or you can get really well-paid and be miserable every morning. And there is a middle ground. So, shifting that immediate mindset of there being a choice between those two things is—it sounds very obvious and very like, oh, of course, the coach is saying that. But it's worth experimenting with and seeing if you can find ways to prove yourself wrong about that belief. Because there's plenty of people out there paying their bills and getting real fulfillment out of the work that they do.
0: Yeah, I I just interviewed um, someone last week, Luke Mickelson, and and he he left a six-figure salary. He's work, he's working for a water company in the US, started a charity, and now he's got enough kind of sponsors and, and donations for the charity. He's not taking like the, the full package that he was on before, but he's very happy with the the amount he's able to make, the contribution he's making to the world, providing beds for kids all, all over America.
1: Yeah. It's really important as well is, is looking at the reality of what do you actually need? Because a lot of the time... Again, clients come to me and they say, "Oh, like I can't make a shift because I can't take a salary drop." And I said, well, "Have you run the numbers? Do you know that for sure?" And they said, "No, I don't really want to look at it at all because it scares the crap out of me." It's like, okay, great. Now, the analogy that I always use is, is like a—it's like in a horror movie, right? The scariest part is always the beginning, like when you haven't seen the monster yet. It's the anticipation. It's, "Oh, is it coming?" And then the monster arrives, and you're like, "Ah." Oh, it's like, that's clearly not actually that person's nose. Like it's not as scary now that I've seen it. If You can take the bed off the monster of your finances and have a real good look at it. Often there's more wiggle room than you think there is. Especially also if you've got a family, for example, if you can have conversations with your partner and say, hey, listen, it's really important to me. Part of finding fulfilling work is that I get to spend more time with you and with the kids and be around more then there's, there's compromises and there's wiggle room there to say, okay, I'm willing to not go on three holidays this year if it means that I can spend more time with my family at home. So getting really like black and white real about your financial situation can often throw up opportunities that you didn't realise were there
0: okay what 's your take on uh, some people suggest minimalism is the, the new way to approach getting more options and more flexibility if you strip down to the bare basics and, and actually live frugally or at least buy less things and maybe even have a kind of simpler life it frees you up financially to actually do more give you more choice what 's your kind of take on that in your own life and, and maybe your experiences in coaching people as well?
1: Yeah, it suits some people, it doesn't suit others. So again, from a financial perspective, some people want to save like a a safety net before they make a shift. Um, Those tend to be the people who are gonna make the like one big shift move. So they'll say, okay, I'm going to leave this job, move into the next one, it's likely I'm gonna need to take a pay cut, So I want to save money in order to have a safety net there for when I do that. In that case, yeah, spending less, living more frugally, great. It's a great way to do that. Other people want to ooch their way in and it's less necessary for them because they can top up their income and kind of move little bit by little bit. So they've got multiple sources of income minimalism is very in right now it's very sexy it's very oh here i am like with no stuff i'm all zen and you know <laughs> for some people it works really well great go for it i did a version of that when i made my career change i'd sold everything i owned everything that i owned fit in a backpack on my back and i lived that way for 7 years um bouncing from country to country everything i owned like a turtle <laughs> and it was fine for me it got old And I settled and I've got a house now and I've got stuff in my house and I'm really enjoying that because it's not going to suit everybody and it's not always going to be the sexy thing to do. So if it works for you, go for it. If it just looks like hell and you really don't want to go all minimalist and frugal and your little luxuries really appeal to you, great. Hang on to them, but then find a different way of ooching or topping up your income or doing whatever you need to do in order to still indulge in those things that matter to you.
0: One kind of big topic that's been on a lot of people's minds, especially when they're working really hard, maybe they feel like they're doing three jobs at once and that's one of the reasons why they want to get out of their job or career, is about burnout and balance and finding more balance for health, for family and and their well-being, quite frankly, mental and, and physical well-being. What would you say to people that are looking to change career based on feeling burnt out? And is taking career break the right thing for them?
1: Yeah, it, it can be. It can be. And if it feels like something that for your mental, physical, emotional health that you need to do, then by all means do that. Career breaks can be an incredibly nourishing way to take care of yourself. It can be a great opportunity to press pause, exhale a little bit, dedicate more time and energy to the things that really interest you and figure out what your next steps are. People often think that a career break is career suicide because how are you going to explain it on your CV? How are you going to tell people about it afterwards that they think you're a slacker? But actually coming at it from a really authentic place and explaining that to potential new employers potential new business partners um most people will get it and most people will respect you for it so again there's a bit of a mindset shift there around the idea of a career break there's also a lot to be said for if you're in a situation where you're pushing burnout because everything's going on at once something's got to give and it's either going to be something in your environment or it's going to be you And a lot of people that I work with who are in that kind of position are doing the silent martyr thing somewhere in their life. So they're not asking for help when they need it. Um, They're not setting boundaries around the things that are okay and the things that are not okay for them. They're not setting boundaries with themselves around what they need in order to be able to get through the day, get through the week, maintain their relationships, maintain their mental health. So, there is some, there's often wiggle room, again, where maybe you wouldn't expect it. So, we talked already about the idea of asking to reduce your hours or looking for ways to pitch that to your employer in a way that makes business sense for them and frees up some time for you. I've worked with a number of people who really didn't think it was possible and said to their employer, hey, listen, I have a hunch that. I'm actually going to be more productive if I'm out of the office for one day a week and can work from home because there's lots of people coming to talk to me all the time. I'm noticing my boundaries are getting crossed a lot. I'm reaching burnout and I'm worried about the impact of that on my role. Can we test for a month me working from home on Fridays? And we'll check in every week. You can check in on what I've been doing. We can see how this works. And if it doesn't work, fine. But can we try it? Their employees have said, oh, this seems a little bit weird. I don't want to set the precedent, but yes, let's give it a try. And actually what they found is they're more productive because they're working from home and they don't have the distractions of the office. They're at home. They're more relaxed. They don't have the stress of the commute and everything that's going on. And it's worked out really well for everybody. So finding ways to identify what it is you need and then ask for it, again, sounds really simple. A lot of people may be thinking, yeah, but I can't possibly do that. Unless you try, it's going to continue to be a problem. Something's got to give somewhere. So a career break could be great for some people. Adjustments to your current situation could be another approach.
0: Love that advice about putting a business case, like what makes sense for your company's business, rather than saying, I don't want to work these hours. Like I want to reduce them. Can I have a reduction? Like actually having a a case for it that might even benefit the, the company or at least give your boss a level of understanding that I'm going through burnout and this is affecting me, here's the solution. So mm-hmm. I love that, very practical. And, and I guess with what's been going on at the moment, a lot of people are working from home now. Do you see the, the business case and the belief that working from home can become more of the normal for people? And, and after this outbreak is, is over, hopefully mm-hmm. sooner rather than later, there's more of a, a case to say, look, I've worked I've been working from home this whole time. Can I have maybe a couple of days here and there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even pre-coronavirus, there's been a huge increase in organisations and companies recognising the value of more flexible working hours for their employees, of flexible working structures, so working from home some days, coming into the office other days. So that, was, that trajectory was already on the way. There's lots of research and studies that have been done from academic bodies that are showing that this is happening and then tracking the increase in employee engagement as a result of those kinds of changes. Companies now have been forced to engage with this as an option and as a possibility. And this is one of those, you can't really get the toothpaste back in the tube kind of conversations. Some organizations will be really struggling with this and even afterwards will not want to engage with it so much. Others will now see it as a great opportunity to reduce business overheads. Less people in the office means less rent, less electricity, less all of this kind of stuff that I have to cover myself. I definitely think there's been a, a big shift in the way that we're all looking at the ways in which we can work. Again, like if you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. Like I never try and predict the future because I've been burned too many times, but it definitely seems as though it's going to be much harder for companies and organizations to just return to business as usual without a new open-mindedness to different ways of working.
0: One of the kind of things that interests me in particular is your consultancy. This is for you. Mm. And you focused it around meaningful human connection, the art and science of meaningful human connection. What is important about that in the workplace and even out of the workplace now with what we're going through?
1: Yeah. So human connection is one of the fundamental basic needs that we have as animals. On a mammalian level, being around other people, having a connection with other people reduces stress. It increases the amount of time that our parasympathetic nervous system is working, which is rest and digest. It's healing time, it's relaxed time. This is where all of your best ideas come from. Most people your best ideas happen when you're either on the toilet, in the shower, or going for a walk. It's the time that your body's in that chilled space. And I think this is why lockdown is so difficult for so many people is because we're lacking that being with other people. And this is also one of the reasons that actually working from home isn't great for a lot of people and why they are missing being in the office, being with their colleagues. Something as simple as just like a shared joke across the office, making eye contact with somebody. It has a physical and neurological impact on us as animals and as organisms. So that's really important there's incredible stuff going on online at the moment with everybody shut away in order to engender this sense of connection Took part in sofa singers couch choir a couple of weeks ago on zoom where we had 800 people from all over the world singing bill withers there's priya parker who wrote the art of gathering is doing some amazing work as well on how to bring people together in a meaningful way online in the workplace I don't know about you, but certainly for me and for the vast majority of people that I speak to, they'll tell me actually, like, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing. If the people around me are great people, it's fun. It's fine. It's less about the what as it is about the who and the where for so many people. And I think that's becoming increasingly important and increasingly to the forefront of people's minds now is... Either I really miss my colleagues or I really am so glad I don't have to be around them anymore. And that might be something that helps guide people when they're looking for more fulfilling work as well, is rather than focusing on what's the activity that I want to be doing, who do I want to hang out with every day? It's something I got really clear on when I started coaching was um, and actually coming from the background that I did I used to work with um, I used to run domestic violence refuges I worked with street-based sex workers a lot of people in very dark and difficult chaotic times in their lives and I took it all on and I realized when I started coaching I could be spending all day every day having conversations with people who are having like the most horrendous time and while I want to help them Do I want my whole day to be spent hanging out with that energy? No, actually, I don't. That's not what I need. It's not where I want to be. So asking yourself those questions like, who do I want to hang out with every day? Who would really light me up? Who's out there in the world doing things that I think are really cool? And how can I get around them more? That's always a really powerful starting point for looking for fulfilling work. Is thinking like, who's out there doing things that just, I look at it and I'm like, whoa, go find those people, reach out to them, find ways to hang out with them. And the work, if I had a version of find your passion and the money will come, it's that. It's look for the people that you want to be around and the opportunities will, will open up.
0: Yeah, because as you said, during this crisis, you really realise that people and human connection is one of the most important human need like a biological like mammal need in life and it's a great compass it's a great compass to find out how you are going to be how you could be energized it's a great direction yeah thank you for that advice before I ask my last question I just wanted to find out how people can get in touch with you work with you and if they want to change career if they want to learn yoga or even learn more about human connection how can they get in touch with you
1: With Career Shifters, it's www.careershifters.org. There you'll find expert articles on how to make a shift, a huge range of success stories that you've talked about to get inspired and start to see that it is actually possible. We run the world's longest running career change workshops, um, both live in the UK and online, and you can find those there. We also run an eight-week career change course, which is really experiential, really fun, really practical, called the Launchpad. And we run monkey masterclasses on a range of different topics as well. So you can find all of that at careershifters.org. Um, for Acro yoga, you're going to have to come to the Canary Islands and come play with me. Um, and <laughs> for This Is For You, you can find that at thisisforyou.me.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Natasha. My final question, I call living a life where you are doing meaningful work, you're passionate about what you do, and you have a good sense of balance in your life for your yeah. physical and mental well-being I call that to burn from within and I, I noticed from your life that you are burning within you you are living a life you're doing meaningful work you have passions for what you do and you have a great balance what would be the one thing that's made the biggest difference in for you to burn from within
1: oh tough question <laughs> juicy question There's something for me about being open to and creating opportunities to be gloriously surprised. Mary Oliver has a beautiful line in one of her poems where she says, leave a little room in your heart for the unimaginable. And I think it's something about that. I've never had a job I was qualified for. I've never done anything with more than a few months planning ahead. The things that I've loved the most have happened when I've gone just beyond the point that I'd normally stop to see what was over on the other side. And I think for me, it's really about that. It's about finding ways to let surprise into your life, challenging the things that you think are true, asking the questions that you don't think have answers, doing things that you think that you can't do. Not in a scary way, not in a dangerous way, but like, how can I set myself up to be just gloriously surprised? I mean, that's my biggest one.
0: I absolutely love that, and actually, you used that phrase right at the beginning of the interview, and it lit me up when you said it. And I, I wanted to go <laughs> back to it, but I'm so glad that you've you brought it up again. Mm. So thank you. What a great interview! Really, you know, inspirational and just a lot of practical advice as well. And yeah, I, I. But I wholeheartedly endorse going to career shifters and checking out all Natasha's work I've read and gone through a lot of the resources on the website and check it out and thank you so much again for your time today Natasha mm,
1: thank you for having me this has been really fun
0: I absolutely love that conversation with Natasha so if you've been inspired to take action follow your curiosity and find a career that energizes you Great. Now, if I say go do it, how do you feel? There's so many things to think about financial stability, more time for travel, time with your kids, or whatever is most important to you. Well, being aware of what you want and having a structured plan to test it out and then get the encouragement and support to take action may be the difference that takes you to burn from within rather than burn out. As a Certified Career Transition Coach and also a neurolinguistic Programming Trainer, I can gently support you to communicate with it, with your subconscious mind, so that whatever you decide to do reflects the real you. Now, whether that's to take a sabbatical or quit your job, change your work start a side business, communicate your concerns with your employers, spend more time with your family, whatever it is, if you are not happy and feel stuck, I can definitely help you get moving on a path that you want to be on so check out my new 12-week career fulfillment program using international coaching federation certified tools from firework which is now part of career shifters where natasha works these have been proven over the last 14 years to help thousands of people find new careers that light them up inside go to burnfromwithin.com forward slash fulfilling career that's f-u-l-f-i-l-l-i-n-g career for more information until next time live with passion purpose and balance and burn from within